This morning is our third Sunday, Journeying with Mary. Two weeks ago, we placed ourselves into the shoes of the young Mary, a rural girl living in a working-class family, ready to be married and live an ordinary life with Joseph. She's visited by an angel with an announcement so familiar to us, especially now even more familiar to us, but an announcement which we know would change her life forever and change the course of humanity. You're going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, she's told. And we see Mary at the start of a transformation that has continued through our texts from Luke chapter 1. This annunciation or announcement by the angel Gabriel transforms Mary's status from one who is shocked in disbelief to one who is probably still shocked and probably still in disbelief, but also to one who is willing. Fiat was the word that I invited us to consider together, the Latin word fiat, let it be so, let it be as it is, it's, as it is. It's, it's, what's, it's what it is combined with may it be what it will be, fiat. Or in the words of our own prophet interpreter Tom Kelly, Mary responds with woe and cool. The Annunciation isn't the end of Mary's story, but rather it's the beginning And it's a place of beginning for us as well, as we have taken the Advent walk, the Advent journey, or pilgrimage. It's a place of beginning, the announcement. A place of beginning for all of us, because we recognize that in that moment, in that moment, Mary does not have all the answers. She doesn't have all the answers. She has questions. She has wonder. She pushes back on the angel and questions whether the angel has it right. She doesn't, she doesn't even question the possibility so much as she's thinking, are you sure? Do you have it right? Has the angel made a mistake? How can this be, she asks. Mary questions this divine representative, and Mary questions the possibility of the truth of the words uttered by this angel. Sit with this for a moment. I remember a bumper sticker slogan that said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Have you ever seen this one before? And while it makes me chuckle a little bit now, that sort of slogan has kind of been the way that I probably approached the Bible much of the time when I was growing up especially, or or even our understanding oftentimes of faith, of having faith. It's a definition that I think we sometimes ascribe to in the, in the life of the church, even in our hymns, right? Especially maybe in our hymns, or in the recitation of creeds, where, where we all stand together often and repeat a creed over and over again that states these things that doesn't leave much room for us to raise our hand and say, hold on, can we talk about that for a moment? We repeat these phrases, often plucked from Scripture, good phrases that emphasize an unwavering, unflappable, unquestioning, never doubting faith. And I do think there's some benefit to this. In in many ways, living the unexamined faith life is perhaps an easier path. If there's no room for doubt or questioning, and most certainly if there's no examination, then there's no need to actually even have a faith that has any risk at all. It's not It's not faith. There's no risk. Going back to the Annunciation, everything Gabriel says to Mary is is questioned and then accepted. 
Not even, not even accepted as a sure thing or as something that can be fully understood, but accepted as the message from the messenger, as the message from the divine messenger, as a message from God. Mary's fiat, Mary's acceptance, Mary's acceptance of the reality of what will be is less a declaration at that moment of belief and more a declaration of a willingness to be used by God. You see, if we put it all on Mary, then God doesn't really have much of a role. What I mean by that is that if we say that Mary did it all by saying, I've got this unwavering faith, if we say, I have unwavering faith, then where does God come into that? Because that faith That faith comes from God, from the Holy Spirit. It is a gift. It is a gift, but it is a divine act that only God can provide. And you see, this willingness that Mary has to be used by God, it's a willingness to faithfully walk, to faithfully walk on a path that might just lead to belief or verification or something of a firm and assured faith, something pointing toward the reality of God's promises. And belief, not just because God said it, she believed it, and that settled it, but rather a faith that is formed by the Holy Spirit in the midst of her questions, her confusion, her willingness to dance with the mystery of the divine. To wonder in the face of that mystery. To dare to wonder whether it might just be true. And it's in her wonder that she walks to Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth, her pregnant relative, is a mysterious piece of this puzzle of her faith risk response to Gabriel. Mary questions the divine. But make no mistake about it, her questions... Don't lead her away from God. It's her very questions that are part of her response to God and her questions that open her up to what God will do through Elizabeth. For it is her questions that draw her to Elizabeth. The angel doesn't tell her she has to go see Elizabeth. She tells her what Elizabeth has experienced. And in the midst of her questioning and her doubt, Mary goes. And it is those questions and doubts that lead her to where our text was last week. Her questions don't make it harder to say yes to God. She says yes even though she is mindful of the risk of doing so, the cost of doing so. Mary examines God's call on her life in the midst of this difficult time, and God responds. God responds. God looks at Mary and and responds with help along the way, flags pointing the way from doubt to belief, a nod from God that Mary's path is not just the right one, but a nod from God that Mary's faith is being wonderfully formed as she vulnerably comes before God and Elizabeth and confesses her questions, how can this be? When did the church slip from being faith-building to certainty-cementing? 
I don't know the answer to that question, but at some point, questions about God became signs of a lack of faith rather than a way that we examine and engage our faith and grow in our faith. And questions about God became an exit door when questions should be the entrance point, the entrance to belief. Faith that is solely about certainty ceases to be faith. Faith is staring at the impossible and wondering boldly in the face of the impossible how God will take our loss, our mourning, our grief, our illness, our anger, our pain, our sorrow, our shame, our embarrassment, our anxiety, even our doubt, how God will take all that we are and use all of this, all of us, how God will use it and stir within it to help us experience God's love more deeply. Faith is confidence that God's transformations will happen but it is still a risky confidence. And reliance on the Holy Spirit means trusting God. And Mary, more than just about anyone else, shows us what it means to be both faithful and confused. To be confident, to be trusting, but also to acknowledge reliance upon God both faithful and needing some indication, some more information, some examination. Mary shows us in her long walk to Elizabeth what it means to listen and to agree, what it means to show up even when we don't fully understand why. And sometimes that's how we feel on Sunday morning. Sometimes we show up and we don't even know why. Mary's long walk to Elizabeth shows us what it looks like to have our faith and our fear dance together. And friends, we need this as a model of faith. We need a model of faith that involves risk because when we dare to step into the risky journey of responding to God, the Holy Spirit shows up. Mary takes the risk. She brings herself to Elizabeth in what we we looked at last week called the visitation. She takes the risk of leaving her family, of walking to Elizabeth. She takes the risk, and the Holy Spirit takes the reins. She takes the risk, and God says, let me show you, dear one, what it looks like when you have enough faith, a little bit of faith, enough faith to get up and walk. Let me show you, young Mary, let me show you that you are blessed. Let me show you that the impossible is possible. It is God who takes our yes, our faithful risk, our fragileness, and says, let me show you who you are. Let me show you who I am. And let me show you what will be. Let me show you who you are Let me show you who I, who God is, and let me show you what you will be. Mary goes to Elizabeth, and it's in this time, in this visitation, Mary goes to Elizabeth, it's in this time that she is shown her faith. Mary, even in her wonder and her bundle of thoughts, worries, and perhaps her woe and cool response, her fiat, Mary reflects to Elizabeth, 
Mary reflects to Elizabeth in her presence by being with, with her. Mary reflects a faithfulness that perhaps Mary in that moment didn't even know she had. I wonder if this has ever happened to you. Someone says, oh my goodness, your faith inspires me, and you're looking back at them with tear-filled eyes saying, what faith? Because they see it even when you can't. And perhaps in that moment, Mary herself didn't even know she had it, but Elizabeth sees it. Elizabeth sees that faith, and again, because of the Holy Spirit kicking inside her womb in John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit awakens Elizabeth to sing praises to Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the bearer of Christ in her womb, is lovingly and faithfully affirmed in her own faith by Elizabeth. Faith that she might not have even known she had. Faith that for her looked simply like one step in front of the other. But faith that gave faith to another. Elizabeth had set herself apart. She was alone. While the baby grew inside her, this old woman who shouldn't be pregnant, who has a lot of explaining to do and a lot of things she can't explain, She's gone off alone, and I wonder where her faith was when Mary showed up that day. But Mary gave her faith. Elizabeth's Holy Spirit moment with Mary reflects that faith back to Mary, and Mary responds with this morning scripture that Marcia read for us from Luke 1, Mary's song of praise. Mary's song of praise or Magnificat that begins with Mary telling of God's work in her life, God's transformation. We've, we've sung about the Magnificat the last two Sundays, getting ready for today. You didn't know you were being prepared for this day, but you were. Mary's song of praise, she pours out praise to God, and it isn't perfectly clear in the text why she's doing this. It's her response to Elizabeth, but we don't know why she is speaking of this transformation. But what is inescapable is that Mary's Magnificat is a part of this mysterious faith journey that she's on, her advent, her pilgrimage on this journey, a journey of faith and a journey of new beginnings where God is doing something new with her. And this, my friends, is the wonder-filled the full of wonder, wonderful story of God's interplay with humanity. God's continued invitation that has been woven throughout Scripture from Abraham to Noah to David to Hannah and Ruth and Esther and so many prophets and servants of God. It's a theme throughout, a thread throughout all of Scripture. God's continued invitation. God's invitation that, that continues here that was delivered by Gabriel to Zechariah and Elizabeth and to Joseph and to Mary. God's continue, continued invitation that sits in front of us every day. Every day. Each day. On our own mysterious and wonder-filled journey through life. The invitation that is in front of us when we are mourning. The invitation when we are celebrating. The invitation when we read the newspaper the invitation when we learn of injustices in our neighborhood, in our city, in our country, in the world. The invitation when we hear the stories of those who are hungry or oppressed up against various walls that our world puts up around so many people. 
The invitation of God to be co-laborers with God, to be agents of God's love and God's agents of radical reformation. Radical reformation of the way that people of the world see one another and see God. Mary's Magnificat inescapably sings of this God. The God who transformed her life, that's that first part of it, and the God who will use Jesus and who will use us and who will use her to bring about God's wonderful love in a world and in lives that need it so much. The poet and activist Bell Hooks died this past week. She devoted her life to what I would call a living Magnificat. She stood up to oppression and she named it. And I'll be very candid that her words are hard for me to hear and read sometimes. And I think that's good for me. It's good for all of us. We need to be challenged. It's the only way that we grow. And so I spent some time this week reading about her and reading some of her works. And I've decided personally that in the new year, I want to read more bell hooks. You might not have heard of her works, and I hope that you will look her up. The New York Times pointed out the extraordinary way she mixed the emotional with the intellectual in her quest to make the experiences of black women not just visible, but central to a sweeping reimagining of society. I read those words right after I had read the Magnificat again, and I couldn't help but return to the Magnificat as I was reading about Hooks, and especially this image, this idea of a sweeping reimagining of society. You see, Mary's Magnificat is just that, a song of praise to God, but also a bold declaration that God's desire for humanity, God's desire that will be present in her whole life, but also in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God's desire is for God's goodness, God's justice, to bring about a sweeping reimagining of society. Both Hooks and Mary are pointing to the injustices of the world, different worlds separated by thousands of years, but injustices. They are pointing to a world that is in need of healing, a need of change pointing to a world where those in power don't always see the need for change and where those in power might be the people sitting right around you. And they are boldly, prophetically warning that injustice is counter to the way things should be. Counter to the way things were created by our creator to be. And Mary, in this song that doesn't look like Mary, meek and mild, Mary strongly and boldly declares faithfully and perhaps still not knowing what it even looks like, that God will transform us. Us. Like God transformed her. That God will transform our world like God transformed her. That God will transform those who are broken, lost, oppressed, like God transformed her. And like Mary's transformation and the transformation of all of humanity and your transformation, God's invitation, this is the beauty of it, God's invitation is for us to be a part of it, to be a part of God's work. God's partnership with us is a partnership that involves knowing God more deeply 
and seeking to bring about God's love in the world today. God's invitation to Mary, God's invitation to us is to be part of the sweeping reimagining of the world. Mary's faith, Mary's risk, and Mary's bold proclamation of God's vision for God's people and God's world renders her not only the mother of Jesus, but the mother of our faith. The one who births a faithfulness that questions, that seeks, that walks with others, that listens to the faithful stories and experiences of others, and then in the midst of uncertainty says, let it be, let it be so. And then one who walks and talks and allows God's wonder-filled and wonder-filling spirit to cause her to reflect on her experience, to look at God's dance with her, and then to sing praise to God. Praise not just for what God has done for her, but for God's beautiful, wonderful promises. Mary, the mother of our faith, who is our walking partner on the Advent journey, a time filled with expectation, filled with love for the world that God loved so much that he gave his only son, filled with hope in the midst of confusion, filled with peace, even in the midst of wonder-filled risk. Friends, wherever you are on your journey, may you find encouragement in this strong, bold woman, this mother of our faith. May you encounter God's love and may you reflect God's love. And may you, approaching the nativity of Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit, reflecting God's love to a world that needs it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.